All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back. This is episode five of the Emergency Nine podcast. I am Mike Maroney, live in studio with Jay Woodson, who is without power in Powhatan, Virginia. So he has come to my uh, house. We are sharing a mic, and this is unbelievably awkward, but we're going to uh, try to figure this out tonight. <laughs> so um, I know everyone's wondering, the world is wondering how my vasectomy went. I got news. It never happened, boys. Um, you know, I'm just basically I, I won't, you know, give you too many details, but I'm so big that everyone they just needed two doctors and it wasn't on hand. So we've had to reschedule. It's uh it's in the works. I'm sh- I'm gonna be sure to keep everyone up to date on this because I know the world is wondering. But again, no vasectomy, no bag of peas this weekend. I had a lot of texts, a lot of emails. I appreciate everyone reaching out. Uh, thoughts and prayers were appreciated. Uh, however, again, it, it never happened. We have to reschedule. And, you know, that's, you know, one of the uh, inconveniences when you deal with what I deal with on a daily basis. So without without further ado, gentlemen, how are you doing? Apparently not as well as you are. Hey, um, you all remember hearing about the doctor years ago that performed the vasectomy on himself as like a publicity thing? That's publicity. Well, I mean, he was like, that's what he did as a living. He's like, look, I'm so good. I can do one on myself. Because it depends on what circles you run in. I mean, you know, that's, that's, that's risky. Kudos to that guy. Yeah, I guess. So this week, uh, as we get into the the jump in the world of golf here, nobody wants to hear about our junk. So uh, Pebble Beach this weekend, I thought it was pretty good. We had uh, Daniel Berger win it with a final round 65 huge eagle putt on 18 to win by two. He uh, definitely kind of stole the show from um, Mr. Jordan Spieth, which we'll get to in a minute. But thoughts on uh, Daniel Berger winning it this weekend? Guy's a stud. Um, you know, he uh, he gets it done between the years. He's, a, you know, he's a perfect example of what we've talked about, you know, in the past. Like, it's all about belief. His golf swing, you'd see that on the range, and you know, you think I could beat that guy. Maybe not that, but you're just saying like he's not going to be a tour winner. But you know, you're not going to get in his way. So it's impressive. It really is. I mean, shoot that number uh, on Sunday at Pebble. Power to him. We'll uh, we'll be hearing a lot more of him over the years. Yeah, I I agree with you. You know, he's kind of one of those guys that came out of that same Jordan Spieth class with uh, Justin Thomas. Um, uh, Ricky Fowler. He's a little younger than Fowler, but more that Justin Thomas, uh, Jordan Spieth class. And he kind of got forgotten there a little bit with, uh, you know, spring break with Smiley Kaufman kind of dropping off the world. But, you know, that, that foursome of guys at one time, Daniel Berger was the same age, came out same year. Um, and he, he just kind of got left behind a little bit. It's nice to see him get his footing again. I mean, yeah, he's, the, he's been playing some great golf uh, as of late. I mean, you're right. He missed the cut. He missed the cut last week at the waste management. But prior to that, I mean, you know, a couple top tens and you know, bunch of made cuts. You know, going back all the way to the memorial of last year. I don't think he's. Yeah, he hasn't missed a cut since the memorial prior to the waste management. So, uh, you know, he's he's playing some good golf. I mean, it is a unique golf swing, but he's a good athlete. He was. He grew up playing. I think he was a highly ranked junior tennis player, and and just so he he understands the pressure of that individual sport, which I think is pretty unique. Um, 
and you un- he understands how to handle that. And and when you're the only guy on the on the court or on the on the on the course, uh, we should say, um, he knows how to handle that pressure, which is pretty, which is pretty cool. I mean, I'd I'd like to pull up some of the stats on on him, you know, prior to to playing golf uh, professionally. But I know he was a highly ranked uh, a junior tennis player, so it's kind of it's kind of cool. I mean, they, they're you know, golf and tennis, uh, you know, are one and the same in that you're the only one out there, you know, obviously we have caddies that help us, but we're the ones hitting the shots. So, um, you know, when you look at these guys that can cross over from sports like that, you look at the guys who are able to to excel in these individual sports and he's one of them. But, and that's what golf is now, right? Like, think about it. I mean, 30, 40 years ago, we did not have the athletes. We've got Dustin Johnson, Gary Woodland, Daniel Berger, um, you know, Matt Kuchar is a great tennis player. I mean, you got, we got like true athletes playing now. And uh, I mean, obviously you can see, you know, the result of uh, having these studs play because of, um, you know, how far the ball's going, golf courses, all that. And, um, but you know, look, you look back at, I mean, Craig Stadler, right? Craig Stadler was a major chance. Like I don't see a Craig Stadler out there anymore. He's pretty close, though. I mean, Berger does it a different way. I mean, he's got a pretty unique swing. A lot of what he does is unique. He he seemed to hit. I watched a fair amount of it with all the snow and weather we had here in Virginia. We weren't working at the club. And so still without power to this day since Saturday. But, you know, so I watched a good amount of it. He hit a lot of different shots. Now, part of that was, you know, 55 degrees and windy. So you kind of have to in that weather. But he definitely worked the ball both directions, high, low. You know, he's obviously got a unique swing. He's got a kind of annoying putting routine, if you ask me, but um, uh, kind of Jim Furyk esque. Yeah, absolutely. The, you know, put your ball marker down, line it up, then back off and readjust. It's, you know, it's, what he does. It's a little cumbersome for the, the, the playing partners, but, you know, obviously it's working. He seems to commit to every shot. Like, and I, obviously I know right now it's easier because he's playing well, but. You know, I mean, on Sunday at a tough golf course, you know, he, like you say, Mikey hit all kinds of shots. He just he stood up there and and did it. You know, it wasn't well, wasn't, a whole, wasn't this uh, Jordan Spieth. You know, got to talk to my caddy for forty five minutes and drive my drive. Would she mess up on fourteen? But we'll get to that. <laughs> well, I I tell you what, you know, just going back and looking at a couple stats here, um, you know, he has been overshadowed i think by a lot of those guys but he's quietly put together a heck of a career i mean he has four wins uh 19.6 million dollars in career earnings um he's played a lot of good golf i just think he just gets overshadowed by jt jordan spieth and some of those other young players especially when you add guys like victor hovland matt wolf colin morikawa to the uh um, to the stall stall out there of uh, players that we have it's there's a lot of good headlines, got a lot of good players. Um, I think he deserves maybe a little bit more credit than he's getting. Well, he, he, you know, he lives down in Jupiter. He's part of that kind of, you know, Justin Thomas, Ricky Fowler, Brooks, DJ, you know, kind of hang down there. And he gets definitely overlooked. And I think I heard on the telecast, he was like 123rd in the world rankings at AT&T last year. And now as I look at it, he is 13th in the world rankings. So he's had a unbelievable Great, yeah. 12 months, um, you know, once quarantine ended to get where he is, it's pretty, pretty damn impressive. Hey Jay, when, I mean, you'll know, like when a guy gets in that zone, right. That, like that, right. I mean, someone like me, it's, when I start playing well, all I'm thinking about is when's it going to end? 
You know, like you're waiting <laughs> for it to happen, right? Um, but I mean, what's that like to when you when it gets moving, you, you get in a routine, you get some momentum, and then to be able to sustain it, like that's just with the travel and the I don't know. I just feel like that would be harder than people realize. Yeah, that's a good question. I have no idea because I've never, I've never <laughs> won on the PGA Tour or experienced anything like that. But played well. Um, but no, no. To answer your question, I mean, kind of getting in that that rhythm, you know, in that zone. It's it's um, it's kind of fun in the sense that you feel like uh, you know, there's nothing that you can that you can do wrong. Like it doesn't matter what course you go to. And the one thing that I think um, some of the the listeners would. And if they don't know already, uh, they they really could appreciate. You go from one course to another. Like think about going and playing, you know, shooting even par at your home golf course, and then going to the golf course right across the street, and then shooting even par. Uh, that's a pretty great feat as a as a low handicap amateur. I mean, that's it's pretty good to be able to to travel, make your game travel. So when these guys go from one golf course to the next, and they still are able to to compete for a win and finish in the top five, finish in the top 10, you really, you really are in control of your game and you, you're, you're, you're pretty much, I mean, you're an expert on, on playing golf because there's so many different factors, golf course, uh, the grass, the, well, yeah. the winds, the, you know, you name it, it's, it's different. And so for, to see a guy like Berger be able to, to make that game travel like that and still kind of have that flow or that feeling, uh, it's pretty incredible. I, 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 to answer your question, Tom, yeah, it's I don't I, it's hard to hard to explain. But when you get in that in that rhythm where you can go from week to week and everything is just clicking, you just you just roll with it. Don't question it. Don't count your you, know, you count your blessings and then you just see how long it will last. You, you know that it's going to come to an end. Um, and the best do. And they know that, hey, this is not going to last forever. Uh, unless you're Tiger Woods, um, and and even still, even him, it, it doesn't last forever. So you just count your blessings and you you get ready and and you move to the next one. But he's uh, been playing some good golf for sure. Tom, if you ever want to know what it's like to break 74 three straight times at the Foundry in the Sunday Group, just let me know. I'll be happy to answer those questions. Okay, it good. is quite a roller coaster. It is just you know you're living on a high. But I've seen your game. You know, you, you don't miss a fairway. You hit everything solid, and then you shoot seventy four. You're like, how, how did you just shoot seventy four? You didn't miss a shot. Because you're you're normally drunk when we play, so I don't hit everything solid. Well, I mean, I don't know. We it's been so long since we've played, Mikey. We need to change that. All right. Well, not anytime soon. But I mean, it's uh, we're in the tundra apparently. All right. So I think one of the bigger headlines of the weekend, though, has to be Jordan Spieth. Again, plays well. Again, has the 54-hole lead. Two-stroke lead this time instead of tie for the lead as he was last weekend. Do we think he choked, or is this just part of his you know, comeback story, if you will, just kind of you know, um, putting the WD-40 on his wheels and, and just getting in contention again, being a part of it, figuring out his tendencies in those situations since he hasn't been there in so long, you know, you I, I can go either way if he choked or not. I know a choke is a big word, um, but he, to me, he hit his driver very poorly and it cost him very poorly. He hit his irons. I thought really well, even some of the times he put himself in some really bad spots off the tee. He still hit the greens at on those small greens at pebble, which was impressive. 
but where if he was in the fairway, he could have given himself a legit look at birdie where now he was just scrambling to save par and get on the green two putt and move on to the next hole. It seemed like his driver again, kind of like we saw in Phoenix is just all over the place, left, right, still holding him back. You know, um, I can just tell by social media, the golf world is better when Jordan Spieth is around. It seems like there's way more interest way more eyeballs on the screen, way more people caring about what's going on, especially at a weak field like Pebble Beach was this past week. I don't think it would have been as huge, even with Cantlay and Berger, you know, up there, two top 20 guys. Sorry, you know, Tom Hoagie and Nate Lashley. No one really cares about you guys. You know, it was really Spieth people were tuning into and they happened to see Nate Lashley blow it on the 16th hole, which we'll talk about. But, you know, give me you guys thoughts on Spieth. I don't think he choked. I think he's in the middle of stepping stones right now. Um, I mean, you could look at it and say that he choked, but he didn't shoot 76. He didn't blow up and shoot 80 on Sunday. He's not, uh, when he's not hitting it, it's not like he's just peering it and all of a sudden, like, you know, everything comes apart. Like he was holing shots, chipping in, do it back to his normal, you know, making 50 footers, driving it crooked. So I agree. Yeah, I just think I think he's on his way back. I think these are some of those starts that are giving him confidence. And I think that's why we're starting to see him string together a couple of tournaments because all of a sudden he feels like, hey, I was in the hunt last week. I've got the same game this week. I think I can do this. I knew how to do this before. This is as close as I've felt in a while to being back. And I just think that it's going to take a couple more of these before we see that breakthrough. I think it could happen next week. It could happen the week after that. But I think the more he's putting himself in contention, the closer he is to maybe getting back to his previous form. Yeah, I, no, I agree hundred percent. I mean, I've, I've heard him. Say, he said that in interviews, you know, post round that um, he's, he said he, he, he values not his stats, but uh, as much as he values how he's feeling. And, and he's even said, he's like, I'm feeling better about what I'm doing. Um, so while the results aren't there, uh, in terms of wins, I mean, he's certainly two top fives in the last two weeks. And while we see him still driving the ball poorly, he sees himself as as making making some headway on on playing good golf. I mean, let's be honest. I don't think he ever really drove the ball great, even when he was winning majors. So, I mean, if you go back to that, what was what was that historic season? Was it 15, 16, 15 that he he made the 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 amount of putts that he made from twenty feet. Uh, was like I don't I, I, we could find we could find that stat which would be really cool but he made some of these 15 20 25 footers at an alarming rate that was it wasn't even close to the to the field like he was uh, head and shoulders above these other guys for that distance and we talk about strokes gained putting like it was crazy how well he putted from that distance so he made up for uh, a lot of his uh, a lot of his weaknesses by how well he putted from from uh, you know far distance. I mean, let's be honest. I mean, Dustin Johnson he he beats everybody every week because he hits driver and hits wedge in and he hits it to you know five ten feet and you know and and Jordan Spieth is here hitting a two you know two hundred ninety yard drive off the tee hitting seven iron eight iron into the green and making a twenty five footer like that doesn't last forever like you wow. you can't make those putts forever which now we're seeing. So if, if he's able to drive the ball a little better and still is, is still able to maintain that same type of uh, that putting prowess around, around the greens and, and chip and putt as well as he, as he's done in the past, he's going to be in contention. He's that good with the short game. He's that good. If he can find a way to drive it in play, then he's going to compete every week. 
Yeah. All right. So listen, listen to these stats. So I just pulled up his strokes gained stats from 2015. Strokes gained off the tee, he was 15th. Strokes gained approach the green, 11th. Strokes gained around the green, 7th. Strokes gained putting, 9th. Strokes gained tee to green, 4th. Strokes gained total, 2nd. That is yeah. getting after it. That is... Yeah, I mean, in, in during that year, he did what Steph Curry did to the NBA. Yeah. He, he showed them from outside, you can change the game. If you're better from longer distance putting... You can change the game a little bit. Now, I do agree with Jay. I think it's very tough to maintain that. But, you know, he said that he practiced those long putts um, more than he practiced short putts. And I think that that's something that uh, you don't like that, Tom. I call bullshit. But anyway, <laughs> I mean, fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah, no, but no, I mean, hey, look, maybe he did. He, he makes more than anybody I've ever seen. It, it's something. Yeah. I mean, a two way miss is is uh, is not going to work but for so long out there. Um you know, what he's working on in his golf swing makes sense and it, it's right. You know, he's, he played, I mean, even at his prime, he kind of, it was wide open right underneath and flipped at it and squared it up. Um, but now he's trying to get more on top of it a little bit, which you can see in his kind of, in his rehearsal looks like, you know, the Matt Kuchar move or the tiger. Remember tiger was doing that. Um, yeah. It's the old, the old tiger with yeah. Sean Foley move, the over the top move, getting in front of himself. I think as I, as I look at his, if we want to talk about the mechanics of his golf swing, I think he's struggling a lot with his balance and his transition. I think he was a hair, a hair longer, a hair slower before, which kind of allowed him to shallow the club out and get on plane. Now his balance is kind of all over the place. When you start looking at it from a heel to toe standpoint, it, it's hard for him to find the same plane every time coming down. I think that's part of what he's doing. Him and Cameron McCormick are still working together. Who's also working with, Daniel Berger. So people who want to trash Cameron McCormick for, you know, Jordan Spieth's slump. He's also working with Berger the last year. You know, for me, from a just an instruction standpoint, from a swing standpoint, it just seems like his balance heel to toe is a little all over the place. No, I agree. He's it, the club face is is more square than it had and it, you know, has been in the past. Um, but it goes to show, right? Like at the end of the day, balance is so key, right? Mikey, like if you're if your foundation isn't you know, locked in, then you just, you better time it. You know, you better flick at it. Perfect that day. Yeah. I, I think, no, I think you hit the nail on the head, Mikey. Like you can watch it. Um, you know, some of the slow-mo videos of him, even in the last couple of weeks, and he's, he's obviously playing great golf, but it just seems like he's, he's disconnected from his lower body, upper body and, and, and the club, uh, the club head, the club, the club face, the seem disconnected, you know, the, just, there's no rhythm there. Uh, with the longer clubs, so he's really fighting an uphill battle. Whereas lower body's doing one thing, upper body and arms and club head are doing another. And it's it's it, the game's hard. I mean, think about it. We're hitting this this teeny white ball with a flat face, and if you don't have everything you know gelled correctly, and 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 they're not um, you know mixing properly, then you're swinging at 120 miles an hour and 150 miles an hour. In his in his case, it's really hard to time it out. Um, but, does he win again? Does he win this year? Yeah, he does. I think he does how, it. How soon? He, he he's just the guy's too driven. I, I, he's too driven. He wants to do well, and he's going to do whatever it takes to make it happen. Um, and he's got good people in place. He's got a great caddy. He's got a great co great coach. Um, they'll find a way to get it done. And he's he's super close right now. Uh, uh, I think I think if he if he drives the ball a little bit better, even 
this past week, Mike, I don't know if you can pull up what his stats were for um, for this past, even the past two weeks, how he drove the ball and his accuracy was. I mean, I don't think it was very, very good, but if he drives it a little better, he doesn't hit it long enough. He has to drive the ball and play. He has to hit in the fairway to give himself control over his ball. Um, he can't compete with with a Bryson DeChambeau or a, a, a Dustin Johnson or a Rory McIlroy and hit it in the rough. That bomb and gouge is not his thing. Like he has to hit it and play. Um, if he finds a way to hit it and play a little bit more, uh, he has a little bit more control over his ball and he puts and chips the ball the, as well as he is capable of doing. Nobody's putted the ball as well as he has from 15 to 25 feet in the last 50 years. And I, I mean, I don't, that's that's an outlandish statement, I know, but if we go back and really crunch the numbers, I don't think when he was playing his best, I don't think anybody has putted those long-distance putts as good as he has. I would say Phil Mickelson would be the next the next closest. Phil Mickelson was the king of making the 25-footer and missing the three-footer. Um, and Tiger wouldn't – I wouldn't put Tiger in that case. Tiger was such a great putter from 10 feet in, but he really didn't make a whole lot of – of those mid range to long putts. He, he that's, that wasn't his, what isn't his thing. Um, but, um, unless Jordan it was on the line, incredible with it. Unless a tournament was on the line, Tiger could somehow figure out a way to get that 25. Foot <laughs> yeah, start of falling. course. Obviously. Back nine on Sunday. <laughs> yeah. I, I kind of like him from 25 feet. Yeah. No question. I mean, that's, that's, <laughs> that's, uh, that's a given. I mean, the best clutch putter of all time, but yeah. you know, overall over the course of Tiger's career, he is not, uh, he's not been known as a great long distance putter in terms of holding putts. I mean, speed control is great, 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 uh, short distance putter, great clutch putter. I mean, obviously one of the best putters of all time, but, um, you know, from that 15 to 25 foot range, that's not really his, hasn't been his thing. No, he made birdies by hitting the ball close to the hole. I mean, probably, probably be- definitely the best iron player of the modern generation. No question. No question. Best iron player. And that, and that's, I mean, again, getting the ball close to the hole is, is the key. Now there's a lot of elements that lead to that, but the, the best players in the planet, the best players that you've ever seen, uh, they all know how to get the ball close to the hole and they, in the putting because putting, you can take the 150th best putter in the world and the best putter in the world, and the margins are very tight. You know, they're all very good putting. Uh, but in, in terms of getting the ball close to the hole, there's a there's a big gap in terms of how close somebody can get the ball to the hole. Dustin Johnson's going to get the ball closer to the hole than Zach Johnson uh, every day in and day out. You know, and, and Zach Johnson is one of the best wedge players on the planet. But Dustin Johnson is a pretty good wedge player too, but he just has more wedges more often than Zach Johnson does. So again, it comes down to how often can you get it close to the hole, and uh, those that's where you can that's where you can create and uh, gain more ground on, on your fellow competitors. Whereas putting, it's all these guys are so good. It's so they're so good. Like the worst putter on tour is really an incredible yeah. putter, and you're talking about a, a, a you know like a a quarter of a stroke difference between the best part in the world and, and the, the 200th best part in the world. Whereas your know, strokes gain T to green, you've got one, two strokes difference between the best, best player in the world and the 200th best player in the world. So that's where they can make up some ground. Well, I think that's where, again, from where I stand from as a, as a club professional teaching recreational golfers, that's where some of the, they read these articles in Golf Digest, Golf Week, and that's where it gets them off in their game. I think at the tour level, it's right now it's it's a distance game, right? You know, Jay and I were just looking at these stats with Jordan Spieth in 2015 versus uh, the 2021 season. Spieth's hitting it eight yards further on average, but he's dropped 20 places Jeez. on the ranking on tour, right? 
What's he so, averaging? Like, what's his his distance? What's he? He's averaging right now this year. He's averaging uh, two ninety seven point nine. So let's call it two ninety eight. But he's ninety fifth on tour. Right. And so as I look at it as an instructor and I look at my students, yeah, could they hit it further? Could they hit it more solid? Would that help their game? Yeah, but their short games suck. Yeah. Right. And so I think you look at some of these statisticians that are in the world of golf nowadays and they're telling everyone hit it far, hit it far. That's a hundred percent right if you're on the PGA tour. Hit it far. Be Dustin Johnson, have more wedges in your hand, just like Jay was saying. A hundred percent right. But if you're a, a weekend golfer, Learn how to chip and putt. You know, start the green and work your way backwards. It's going to improve your game. You know, it's it, you're sorry, you're not Dustin Johnson. You're not Jordan Spieth. You're not Zach Johnson, right? And so the, and the golf course you're playing is not seventy six hundred yards. Correct. Bryson DeChambeau is right? not, not in your group. The same smoking it firm and fast greens. You're not playing the same rough. You know, so I think that's where there's some you know disconnect from the world of golf. Obviously, we've gotten off of Jordan Spieth here, but. um Yes, it's a distance game on the tour levels. You know, talk about Canadian tour, Latin America tour, Corn Ferry, PGA tour. It doesn't matter which tour you're talking about. From that standpoint, you're talking the the less than one percent of of the golf world. Yeah, let's let's try to fucking hit it far. Well, all right. So on that, I'm gonna put a all right, 1990 PGA tour driving distance leader. If you guys guess who this was, there's no way. But and then try to guess the distance. All right. This was the no, I'm sorry. This was the average distance in 1990 of you know who was the longest guy on tour. Average distance in 1990 was 265. 262.75. Tom Pertzer, go get you some big T. Pertzer. I mean, is that not insane though? That's crazy. I mean, well, they they didn't have they still had wooden there was still wooden heads back then, but a lot of balls. I mean, all right. So what year? 90, 90, 91. Was that's when like you started to see some go, transition? Go even like ninety five. I mean, I think that's where you start to see the introduction of some modern technology in terms of metal woods. Yeah, um, still with a lot of golf ball, but that'll show you the difference in what the metal wood brought to the game. Actually, yeah. ninety one, John Daly led, but he was uh, a yard and a half short, shorter than Tom Percher the year before. Gosh, you know, I think there's. Definitely. I mean, there's a lot of contributing factors to that, but yeah, the, the, the metal head. Um, and then I think the biggest jump was in the 2000, 2001 when they changed the ball. I mean, to what they changed the ball, to what to, to not a wound ball Solid to a titleist golf ball <laughs> led the world. Hey, we're not, I will say that I got some titleist balls in 2000 when I was in college that were, unmarked i think i think i got them from your dad tom i'm not gonna lie but they were the ones that they send you with the white box and there was nothing on it and they were like here try these out and i I remember that was back when you could seam those pro v's the way they they were constructed you seen them and it like they would kind of shake in the air and they'd go dead straight but i mean we mashed those things do you remember that i mean that was 2000 2001 when that came out and they were the i mean it was it was such a change from what we had before like such low spin i just that's ball flew straight you couldn't Why curve it like yes. we we grew up hitting like everyone taught you okay you have back right pin you needed a cut back left pin you needed a draw you know hit that low riser where you hit it started at low and then it would creep up like you couldn't do that with the pro v you didn't need to do it it just flew straight so it got to the point where like i'm just gonna 
aim in the middle of the green and just hit it straight. And if it, if I pull it a little bit or cut it a little bit, I'm, I still got a, I still got a birdie putt. So it was, I mean, the ball, no question was revolutionary. I mean, and, uh, and the, the steel head titanium head, and then the graphite shaft, shaft, those all uh, contributed all together. Now, that's where we are now, but I, I think the ball was the biggest jump. Uh, no question in my mind. It was, it was, inc- it was incredible. It was incredible. That was it. It was so the the story there is that y'all remember the uh, the Nike Tour accuracy. Mm-hmm. All right, so this you know they told us this when I was working at Nike, so they might have brainwashed us. But so that story goes that the Tour actually came out before the Pro V one, and that was the first solid core golf ball, and they were selling the heck out of it. They had like sixty some guys on tour playing the Nike golf ball, um, not being paid, just playing it because they you know they knew it was better. Well. Nike couldn't keep up with demand. They uh, were obviously not expecting that. So there's a big lag in inventory. And during that lag, that's when the Pro V1 and Pro V1X launched. And one's making balls now and one's not. (laughs) Yeah, I mean. Crazy though, right? Like, I mean, how timing is could have worked out, you know. Here's a a funny story for you. Back in, let's see, when I was working in Abandoned Dunes, I guess it was 05. Uh, it was Tiger was at uh, leading, I'm pretty sure it was St. Andrews Open Championship. And I opened the golf shop at, at 6.30 a.m. on the Bandon's Dune course, obviously on the West Coast. So he was teeing off, right? 6.30 a.m. West Coast time. And we had some, in Oregon, we had some players there from Nike, not too far away, right? Nope. And so these couple of guys are sitting in the golf shop. They had like the first tee time out and um, a couple of Asian gentlemen. And they're talking about, Oh yeah, I was working with tiger and this and that. And I was like, wait a minute, who you guys weren't working with tiger. Right. And so, you know, they're talking about talking with tiger and working on this and working with that and developing the golf ball with tiger at Nike. I bet I knew who it was. And I'm like, bullshit. So this guy leaves us a couple sleeves of Nike golf balls in the white boxes and his card. And I didn't really, for whatever reason, I didn't believe the guy. I didn't look at him. And then he goes off and he tees off him and his group. And we're still sitting there and we're watching Tiger and Nike runs a commercial. And the commercial is Tiger and the golf ball developer, Rock Ishii. Rock Ishii, I knew it. With, with Nike. Sure as fuck, it was that guy that I was talking to in the golf shop. I'm like, son of a bitch, he does know what he's talking about. Abandoned dunes, about like you're out in the middle of nowhere. Yeah, middle of nowhere, six thirty in the morning. I am barely awake. I got one eye open, probably still drunk from the night before. <laughs> you know, and I'm like, this guy doesn't know Tiger Woods. Come on, that guy was a mad scientist. He was like, he, he would at our sales meetings, he'd get up and do like this little presentation about the new golf ball, and um, you know he. His English was a little broken, but he was like so passionate and he got into talking about stuff, numbers, and we're like, okay, none of that makes sense, but we're in. <laughs> yeah, it was a wild story. I yeah, crazy. I, I don't know why I didn't believe the guy. I was a 20-year-old punk from Clemson, you know. Well, that's why. In, in a state that was miles and miles and miles away from my house. But um, yeah, and then he showed up in a commercial when he's on like the third hole at Bannon Dunes, but you know. That's- yeah, the golf ball definitely changed uh, the world of golf. Jay Jay just went down to use my daughter's restroom, um, but I did I did want this is really awkward, boys. I'm not gonna lie. You know, I thought it was a great idea inviting Jay to my house to do this podcast. 
I mean, you guys are sitting really close to me. Yeah, we're really close. I'm regretting it. But, oh, he's back. Hopefully, he didn't pee on my daughter's seat. So, um, I, I do want his opinion, though, as we get back to the AT&T, Nate Lashley. So, gets in the final final group with Jordan and Tom Hoagie. Just a riveting final group there. But well, make sure you tell about our text too during all this. That was the I thought that was well, fun. yeah, exactly. So I, I kind of missed some of the early coverage. My daughter was watching some stupid show on Netflix or whatever. And I turn it on in, you know, Lashley's tie for the lead. And the guy was playing his ass off, right? Was didn't really miss many shots, was making putts. He hit a couple shots to a couple inches, right? So it's just stupid stuff. And I texted you guys, it looked like he was asleep. He had zero emotion. I, I thought the tournament was keeping him awake is what I told you guys. Like he had zero emotion and Jay goes, Oh, well, I've played with him. I know him. He's, he runs hot. Yeah, exactly what he said. Jay goes, he, he runs. Right? Hot. And I was like, well, I, I don't see that at all. However, then I see on Twitter, someone posted that he hit a bad shot on six, which I missed. And I guess he let out the largest fuck that anyone's ever heard on the golf course. And then not too long after that, he then makes a triple bogey seven on 16, four putts, which was hard to watch in all honesty. And then just blows a gasket, flipped his putter in the air twice on the same hole, 360, and then just hammers a green where his second shot landed. Uh, You know, again, I'm not trying to make light of a guy losing probably a half a million dollars by making that triple bogey. Mildly entertaining. From my standpoint, sitting on my couch, scratching my balls, but it was just happy you could again, scratch you feel it. Feel bad for a guy, but you know Jay pretty much called it. I definitely had the guy wrong, pegged wrong completely. He that won a couple bad. of years ago. You know, great story. If you don't know his story, look it up. In college, um, his parents and his current girlfriend at the time passed away in a, a plane crash. Awful story. He's definitely you know earned his keep has made it PJ tour winner. Definitely in a better spot than me sitting here talking in front of a microphone with Jay Woodson. However, it was, I don't know the whole, the whole afternoon with him was pretty entertaining, which, you know, I think I do think that's great. Yes. I did say that he has been known to run hot and, and Nate, you know, if we ever get you on the show, I think you would agree. That's not a, that's not a knock. I think that's a truth. And you back pedal a little bit right now, back at that, you got it in reverse right now, here, Jaber. No, no, no. I'm I'm, <laughs> I'm going to validate it because I'm I'm one in the same. Like if you play this game, if you're a journeyman like like he is, I mean, he literally he's he's worked up through every single tour that you can possibly play on, and unfortunately, this game will mess with you, and and you build up a lot of scar tissue, and 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 he's been through a lot. I mean, he's obviously personally he's been through a lot, but. From the tours that he's playing on, he's done. We used to play in the Colorado Open together. That's, that's the first time I ever played with him, and I was like, "This guy's a, a stud." I mean, he can play. Um, from you know, playing in Colorado Open, State Opens to Mini Tour to Latin American Tour to Canadian Tour, at, you know, and then the Cord Ferry. I mean, he's worked his way up all the way. So, I love seeing these guys play and compete, and then finally make it. And yeah, he does run a little hot, and I don't think that's a bad thing. You know what? I think it's awesome. You know what? It's it's important to him. He wants to play well. He's 38 years old and he's earned the right to flip his putter if he four putts a green. You know, I think he should. And I watched it. I was watching with my dad and we were sitting there and I just told him, I was like, this guy's a good guy. He's got a good story. Everybody 
that's played with him likes him. And I was like, this is great. You know, I want him to do well. And then he four putts and we're both sitting there like, you know, we're pulling our hair out watching. We're like, oh my God, what's happening? You know, we're pulling for the guy. Um, you know, in, you know, to his credit, you know, to his, his character, we were playing in Latin America. Um, this is a Latin American PGA tour. And, you know, I can't remember this is in 2017. I, I, I apologize. I don't remember which, which tournament it was because I missed the cut, but <laughs> I got, I, I drank the water in Mexico, which is you weren't there long enough. So I was, you know, I was out of, out of commission for like four days, but needless to say, Nate won in a playoff and we, the way the layovers worked for us, we were flying out the following day, as opposed to Sunday night, sitting at the hotel. It was only a handful of us, maybe six guys. Nate had just won. He's sitting there. It's me, Lonto, and then maybe two or three other guys. And Nate is proceeds to buy everybody's, you know, bar tab for the entire night. Didn't even think twice about it, which is like, I mean, this guy, I've only played golf with him a handful of times. We've never really, you know, hung out that much, but here he is, you know, with a total stranger willing to, you know, let me buy as many beers as I want to buy, which is, I think it's awesome. But again, to his defense, like running hot is not a, is not a knock. I think that's great. If you don't have that, look, look at John Rom. like that guy runs hot and, and everybody, they, they, you appreciate it. It's like, it's important. Like it should be like, we need to see that. And I, I think it was good for him from, you know, from an outsider looking in, I thought it was great to see him show a little emotion because like, like Mike said, he's like, Oh, this guy seems like to not have a pulse. Like he's not interested, but now you see like, this is important to these guys, really important, especially for a guy like, like Nate, who's, who's, who's as a journeyman, who's trade played in every, you know, different tour there is to, to, to play in. As my old man, you say, it, it's not a smiling contest, you know? Um, he's like, some guys can walk out there and smile and look at the crowd and stuff. And he's just like, I can't, I couldn't be what I wasn't good enough. And I tell you, so on Pebble, like, I just remember this a great, I'll make it quick story. So my old man is playing the final round, you know, in 1980, who knows when. Um, he's paired with Ben Crenshaw and they're the pro-am partner. So dad was playing with one of the Gatlin brothers. I can't remember. And then Ben was playing with one of the other ones. So like, Maybe dad was playing with Larry Gatlin and Ben was playing with Steve. So anyway, so dad was playing pretty good last day. Um, comes to 18, hits a second shot in the iceberg. What do you call it? What do you call it? Iceberg, right? Ice, ice plant. Ice plant. Iceberg is the lettuce. Anyway, so hits it in the <laughs> ice, puts it in that, in the ice plant, tries to hit it out, ends, ends up like making a million. And so, and he is, you know, MF and he's, he's hot. So, Ben is keeping his scorecards. Well, he doesn't know what he made, but he's he, he can't. He's scared to go ask him. So he goes. He's going to the Gatlin brothers. He's like, "Hey, you know," and, and only Ben Crenshaw's voice, like, "Hey, what did he make?" And they're like, "I don't know." He's like, "Well, you go ask him." No, you go ask him. I don't. So they're so finally they went. They were like trying to find a score. Like none of them. Was, none of them wanted to, to ask him. So uh, <laughs> finally, finally, Ben like had to go. Dad sitting at the scores table, just waiting. You know, burn it up. And Ben finally sat down, and he's like, "Uh." Just let me know what, what we did here on 18 and we'll be good. So I, <laughs> they, they were all too scared to ask him. Oh. So here's a question though. So is it good now? Granted, this is outward emotion that we're talking about, not necessarily what the player is thinking inwardly, but is it good to just think or just show negative stuff? You know, so I, one of the things my dad always told me, so I, I ran hot when I was a kid, right? I got, 
all my friends told me I got an Italian temper, Italian family, right? So when I was playing junior golf, I ran hot. One of the things my dad told me, and he was never a golf coach, but he would say, you never enjoy the birdies or smile during the birdies. You only get pissed when you make a bogey or you hit a bad shot. So if you're going to be emotional, shouldn't you be emotional both ways versus just negatively? Like, again, going back to Lashley, he hit a couple to kick-ins, right? Where you could backhand it with your driver and it was going in. Is it good to just show negative outward? I mean, I'm sure he enjoyed those you, birdies, but is it just one say, one direction? So like fist pumps, yeah, for good, and then that's just that would be exhausting. It doesn't have to be fist pumps. Can you just smile? Yeah, okay, yeah. You know, just a smile. Just you know, I know you're you're out there trying to make birdies and you're expecting to make birdies. And the guy was, I can't remember the exact stats, but the guy had like six birdies, no bogeys, you know, through 13 holes or whatever it was, you know. But he didn't seem like he he cared or enjoyed it. But then all of a sudden he had a bad shot, and you knew about it. Is it like a zone thing? I I don't know. I've never played that good. So Jay, you that's can um no, I Mike. That's a great point. I think you're right. I mean, all the all hold the on, endless. time out. Like talk about running hot. Like you, I mean, you you can speak to this, and I mean, I'm not giving you a hard time. Like you are one of the most competitive people I've ever met, and you know, you like you get in that zone, and and it was a you played you played on an edge. Yeah. Right? My dad did too. Like that's, and there's, that's what makes some of these guys really successful. A hundred percent. I mean, you're competitive. It's important. You want to play well, you know, and, and it's, it's, you're teetering on the, the edge of your blood boiling. You're so upset, you know, and, and you want to do well, but um, no, you're, you're right. A hundred percent, Tom. I mean, yeah, there was times where I took it too far when, when I was playing and, and then I I think I got a little bit better as I got older to realize that there were certain things that you couldn't control and, um, and you didn't want to look like a fool and you didn't want your parents to disown you when you, (laughs) when you acted that way. I mean, but you know, that's, that's part of the learning curve and some of the younger guys figure it out and you see a lot of the older guys, they, they learn that trait um as they get older and they learn how to to maintain that but um to mike's comment you're right i think there needs to be a little bit of both and again i know we talk about tiger a lot here but i'm gonna i'm gonna drop my first name of the night um dr jay brunza yeah he was tiger's caddy and uh golf psychologist in uh the you know early 90s when uh tiger was making his run and all the the junior amateurs and the the u.s amateurs so jay caddied for him if i'm not mistaken for all six of his consecutive uh u.s juniors and u.s uh, men's amateurs that's amazing so which is absolutely incredible like uh, it's just to win a usga event once in your lifetime is absolutely amazing and the fact that Tiger won six U.S. amateurs, and then has he won two, three? Is it two or three U.S. Opens? Three U.S. Opens, nine USGA events, and I'm sure there's another one in there that I don't know about. That was some weird USGA event that they came up with that Tiger won. But needless to say, so Jay Brunza caddied for for Tiger for those uh, six events when he was an amateur, and then you know also was he was he's a past naval uh, Navy veteran and uh, uh, naval. Uh, psychologist so he worked with tiger you know hired by earl they were good buddies but i actually had the 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 chance to work with him when i was in san diego my wife worked out there and i stayed out there for a couple months and i had some luckily some people said hey you need to you need to talk to jay brunza he lives in san diego 
he'd be happy to work with you. And I'm like, really? I was like, wow. As I was young, I'm as I've only been a pro for a year. Um, and, and Jay was like, absolutely. Let's, you know, let's get together. And we went over some of the very basics, very basic things that, uh, him and Tiger worked on. But the, the coolest thing, uh, again, back to Mike's point was about how to react, uh, to these shots. So they, we worked on, uh, on these three R's. I think there were four R's. And so if Jay, you're listening and I'm missing one of the R's, you can, you can text me and, and we correct it on the next episode. But, uh, there were three R's that I remembered that I thought was that, that were, that were really incredible. And I can really see it in tiger and the way he does the way he does things. So the first was, you know, obviously you hit the shot, which is one. And I think that may have been one of the R's and I may have missed it, but I was going to say, wait, you hit yeah. the, where, I'm missing the R. Yeah. The, there's gotta be an R in hitting the shot, but hit I don't know what it is. Sure. <laughs> you hit the the first R is react to the shot. Everybody reacts to the shot. Like it, I don't care who you are. You have to have some reaction to the shot, good or bad. You can control the reaction. You know, everyone controls it differently, but you react to the shot which is, it, it's innate. It's, it's an instinct. Like you hit a good shot. Oh, I, I, I'm excited. I hit a bad shot. Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm upset. So everyone has that in varying degrees, but you, you react to the shot. That's it's natural. You have to do it. You have to get it out of your system. But the next thing was to replay the shot. So replay the shot the way that you wanted it to unfold. So for Tiger, how many times have you seen Tiger hit a shot? He may say some some vulgar terms that some people aren't uh, okay with, but you will then see him make these weird practice swings and kind of look up into the sky. He's replaying the shot in his mind the way that he wanted it to unfold. So now he's replayed the shot, and he's got a good vision of the way that the shot should have should have happened. And then after that, he refocuses to the next shot. That's the third R. So react replay, refocus. And then Tiger is the absolute best at acting like he's falling off a cliff to hitting the most miraculous shot you've ever seen on the next shot. He's so good at that. So, and I think that is directly attributed to what, uh, you know, Jay Brunza and Tiger worked on, you know, when he was a junior. Now they don't work together that much now, but I know that a lot of those things that, that, that they've worked on are still instilled in Tiger. Um, and that fact, the fact that they learn how to react to a shot, replay the shot the way that they wanted, wanted it to unfold and then refocus. And he's so good at that. It's but incredible. That, that's, that's, that's spot on. And like, there's, that's very, that's very much a part of like a lot of, almost like, um, like Buddhist teachings, like the, you know, we don't, we'll get into that maybe down the road, my, me and my, you know, <laughs> my meditation. Experience. Who's getting into that? <laughs> hey guys, look, everybody with me. Um, yeah, but they talk about like, you know, feel it, experience, let it like, you know, don't fight it. Right. Like, you know, whatever it might be, if it's a feeling or something that makes you mad or upset, like accept it, it is let it like, let it be and then move on. Right. Cause if you don't experience it, let it, you know, sink in, you can't truly move away from it. Hundred percent. I think that's what's good about Jordan Spieth. Um, it, it it comes across to the viewer as kind of a, you know, uh, you know, a nervy, like a, a not confident kind of. But that's his way to get that energy out when he talks and he talks to Michael Greller and he gets it out of his system. That's that's therapeutic for him. He's like, you know what? Hey, 
I just feel so uncomfortable about this shot. Like, I don't know what I'm doing. Like, let me just get, I'm going to just get it out. And I'm going to tell Michael, I'm going to blame it on Michael Greller. And then, you know, that allows me to refocus and play the play golf that the way that I know how, and that everyone's different. Some people don't want to do that because that's a, that's a sign of weakness, but to Jordan Spieth, that's his way to, to play his best golf. And I think as like, as if, if we were truly good fans, we would embrace that. Be like, look, let's enjoy the fact that every one of these guys reacts a little differently, right? Like Tiger might lock in when the pressure's on Jordan Spieth might get a little anxious, a little chatty, you know, uh, Rocco was that way, but like, that's okay. You know, like just enjoy it and watch it unfold. I think that's why we're here, Tom, is to, you know, to tell the viewers, our experiences with all these great players that all of us have played with and that they're all different. Like, there's no one way to play. Like everyone watched Tiger play for so long. Like, Oh, you have to be so steely and you can't talk to your playing partners. No, like you don't have to do that to be successful. There's a lot of different ways to, to be great at golf. So I think it's neat to hear different perspectives and, you know, different stories about all these great players and how they interact and what makes them tick, because I think it sheds a different light on the game of golf and like what, what everyone's different. It's, it's an individual sport. So there's a lot of different individuals, you know, that, that come out. So I think it's, it's cool to hear these stories. I, I love hearing the stories, Tom, of your dad and McLean, your dad. I think it's great. I mean, that, that's, that's what I like to hear because there's so many different ways to get the job done and playing golf. McLean's dad was like, he, those people that can play at that level as a PJ professional, don't get enough credit in my opinion, because like, you know, these tour guys, they're making a lot of money and we know there's a sacrifice, but like, that's, what they go do every day. Like they're not having to, I mean, to run the ladies nine hole uh, group on Tuesday afternoon, you know, like, like, a, you know, PJ pros are. So, you know, guys that can, can balance that. It's pretty impressive. So, all right, Mikey. Uh, I, I actually remember uh, dad going out to one of the PGAs and while he was there, he was on the range talking to a couple of his old tour buddies. And I, I don't remember exactly who he was talking to. He goes, <laughs> I'll refrain from using exact words, but basically he got across the phone and said, little buddy, Last week I was running the member guest. What were you doing? <laughs> yep. See, that's perspective, right? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, um, you know, I remember when I first, you know, kind of graduated from Clemson, got my PJ membership. My sister, lover to death, she was like, Wait, you're a professional golfer now? I said, Nope. I am a golf professional. You got to flip those two words. That is a massive difference. Professional <laughs> golfer and golf professional is a huge difference in the order of those two words. So um, I can definitely speak to that. And that's uh, definitely my running excuse for why I suck at golf. But <laughs> so before we kind of get to a couple other topics real fast, I, I have to shout out Maverick McNeely. He had a great back nine, great final round on Sunday. Club twirl on 18. The, the world's greatest club twirl on 18. If no one has seen this, the guy was feeling himself. Hey, he's dating Danielle King. He lives in Vegas. I get it, right? But, man, it was an amazing club twirl. His second shot into 18 on Pebble. He ended up, you know, two-putting, makes birdie, comes in second. Great job. Highest finish. Seems like a really nice guy. Great player. Comes from a ton of money. He's got an ice skating rink in the house that he grew up in. His dad's a big um, tech guy out there. He lived on Pebble Beach for a while. I, I just had to shout out his club twirl. If you haven't seen it, please go look it up. It was fantastic. It was, it's good. And that guy, too, his story's been on. Like, I, um, 
I, I'm very impressed by him because, you know, he had a house. He grew up on Pebble Beach, right? There's like not many people can say that, but um, and I just learned his story this past week. Um, our, our friend John Scott Rattan, shout out John Scott. What's up, buddy? John Scotty. Um, but um, so John Scott actually was at dinner with Maverick last week. Yeah, last week because um, he went out to Vegas to see Joe and they lived together. Um, but he was telling me, he's like, this kid runs his – for his dad, try to talk him out of turning pro, for one. He's like, you know, I don't think that's the right decision. Okay, um, well, I'm going to do it is what he said. And his dad said, all right, fine. I'm not – I'm like, you're going to do it. You're going to do it, you know, with your own money. Like, you can make you can make it happen. And and he did. You know, he, he started a foundation. Like, his kid's buttoned up, man. Like, he's young. You hear stories like that, and, and I go, man – yeah, he wasn't Wait, starting I, with my bank account, though. Let's be honest here. No, yeah. yeah. I, I mean, I, I'm yeah. not going to, you know. He wasn't like, he wasn't, you know. Again, let me say he had an ice skating rink, a hockey rink in his house. So I'm yeah, not he, really, I don't feel bad for what he was starting I'm with. I'm not saying, I'm, I'm not giving it, but, but it, no. Yeah. I, I, in I, your I, young 20s with a year old foundation. When, when his dad went, hey, you're going to have to do it your own money. He went, yeah, sure, dad. Okay. Uh, but he, uh, He's just he's buttoned up. The kid's got a ton of game. He chips in as much as Jordan Spieth, I feel like. No, he's a well, great he, player. He is a great player. I mean, he was also number one amateur in the world, you know, coming out of college. He had a ridiculous year at Stanford in yeah, I think it was his, I don't know, sophomore or junior year. So again, he's definitely coming up. One of those guys kind of coming out with a pedigree, maybe didn't have quite the success immediately that some of these other guys have. So feels like he's an underachiever. But again, he's working his way out of that financial hole he had to start. Yeah, in. yeah, massive financial hole. You know, ramen noodles for days for that guy. He couldn't even keep the ice frozen. It just no. Was, I mean, melted. you know, dirty water. You know, <laughs> Jesus. I mean, again, thoughts and prayers to him too. Going through all this, I feel bad for him. <laughs> Congrats on finally I mean, making I do, it. I do like uh, seeing these guys like that. Um, that. And it, he's he obviously comes from from money, but he's still still driven intrinsically. Like he, it's there's an innate thing inside of Maverick McNeely that says, I, you know, if I want to do something, I'm going to do it. And that's probably it's probably genetic. I don't, you know, I I wouldn't discount that. I mean, his dad's super successful, but so is Maverick McNeely. He's like, you know, it it, it doesn't matter. You know, he he wants to do well. And he decides that he wants to do it, and he, and he's doing it, you know, regardless of whose money it is. If it's his, if it's not, I mean, he's he's still taking advantage of of the of the advantages he's been given, and that's all you can ask for. Like you can't blame the guy for, you know, you know, having a leg up. It's not like he's sitting on it and saying, you know what, I don't have to do anything. He's taking advantage of every advan- everything that he's been given, and he's making the most of it. I mean, I love that. I mean, well, fact got of the matter is, against a guy who's who's given. Uh, you know, some type of, uh, you know, like I said, a leg up, but he's he's not resting on those laurels. He's making the most of it. So I'm, I like the guy. I mean, I don't really know him at all, but based on the way he's handled himself, I mean, I'm, I'm kind of a fan of him. Yeah, totally. I mean, the fact of the matter is he doesn't have to play professional golf to earn a living or to pay his bills. He's choosing to, and he's pl- doing it at a very high level. So he's obviously got some drive. And let's just go back to one thing real quick. He didn't choose for his dad to be a billionaire, but anyone at the end of the day, and you know, a lot of people like to, you know, poke fun or, you know, say what you will, but if if any of us ever got the chance that, Hey, you have a choice right now, your dad can be worth nothing or a billion dollars. 
you choose billion every single time. A hundred percent of the human race choose billion every single time. And there's nothing against that. There's nothing wrong with that. I just think that a lot of times people more come from uh, a jealous background when they start pointing that out, because ultimately, again, he doesn't have to do this. He's doing it because he wants to do it. This is what he wants to do is play golf. He's earned his right on tour. He's played well enough to be there. And uh, I think we're all happy to see him. And and he's good at it. <laughs> I mean, Real good. If nothing else, he's, he's really he's good at great tour. at it. You know, Mike made the point that he you know, used his own money. But I, I don't if somebody gave me a billion dollars, I don't know if I would be in the position that he is, you know, because he's good. <laughs> like he's skilled. He's good at golf. Like, I mean, but he that, also that's, like, that's that's obviously the most important thing. But, you know, like just how he runs his operation with his swing coach and his strength coach, like they say it's it's like a he's like the CEO of this business. I mean, I, y'all might have read that article last week as well. But um, I don't know. It's pretty impressive. He's 25 years old. He's like got a foundation. I mean, I guess, you know, that's probably God, you guys are making me sound like an asshole. I was poking fun at his club twirl and his bank account. And you guys are making me sound like an asshole now. You are an asshole. The but his club twirl, I mean, I am, but I don't want the listeners to know that his club twirl was, well, it was if, pretty if they stick around. There's not going to be a lot of questioning. <laughs> So one other real fast thing with this, um, the Pebble Beach, you know, AT&T Pro-Am. Did anyone miss the AMs? Because I sure as shit did not. Please. So, look, I, I've, got, I've got a quick take on that. So wait, we're real I fast, McLean. We had, we had a listener, Brian Canfield, CCV, head golf professional, great guy, Powhatan resident. Uh, he made a comment on our Instagram page asking if, if we missed the AMs. I did not. I could care less about watching Bill Murray or Chris Berman Amen. or Andy Garcia skull golf balls across Pebble Beach. I really don't want to see it. Like you know who didn't Andy miss it? Garcia. I don't watch a movie to see you, so I don't want to watch you play golf. I agree to all of that. You guys saw my post. If Brian doesn't know, it was me that was uh, responding there. And you know, I, I'm just going to go back to it. Do I miss the amateur? Do I miss the amateurs playing? Not at all. It doesn't do me a whole lot. But with that being said, the argument that I will say for a week like this that, and happening. Is that the first with that being said to, of the night? Ding. God, <laughs> I, God, I, we made it this far, too. All right. So anyways, um, I think the argument is to the fact that I think it does bring some new eyes to the game when we have these guys playing. I think there are non-golfers that will tune in to see their favorite celebrity or beginner golfers, people who aren't quite as invested that will tune in just to see what their favorite celebrities doing. They're not, they don't watch the golf otherwise. Um, and I think it does help possibly bring some new eyes in, but do I think that tour players enjoy it? No. Do no. I think that the purists enjoy it? No. I think ultimately um, as a purist, which I, I would more consider myself in, under that, uh, under that category, um, I want to see pebble and I want to see it showcased by the best players in the world. But I, I can't say that there's not an argument that every now and again, putting some fresh eyes on it and putting some different sort of publicity on the game is not a good thing. No, and I see I, for that, I totally agree. Like, I love the fact that it's the tradition there, too. Remember, it, was, it used to be the clam bake, you know, right? Bob Hope. I mean, it's it's been around like some of the stories of the parties they used to have back when. Um, um, what's his name? Was that what was the guy that ran it for all those years? Uh, anyway, okay. Crosby. Yeah, that's him. Yeah, the guy. Oh, Bing Crosby, not the Bob yeah. Hope. Sorry. Um, no, no, that's different tournament. That's okay. Um, but yeah, no, it's. Uh, but I mean, some of those like those this stuff's legendary, 
and it does bring, like you said, it brings something to the game. But I can't imagine. Can you imagine being like in contention on Sunday, and you're all, you know, you're trying to go through your normal routine, and you got a, you got this, you know, amateur hack that's kind yeah. of in your way. Especially well, when, what if he wants to put everything out? What if you got to play with Bill Murray in the final round? You're trying to win the golf tournament. I mean, I love Bill Murray. Some some great highlights. But at the end of the day, um, get, that's get out of the way. Get out of the way, Bill Murray. I'm trying to win. Golf I'm, trying to win I'm trying to win at Pebble. Like, just yeah. back up, dude. Right. I know you. I know you want to be the center of attention, but yeah, you know, 100. It, it, it's distracting, and there's certain there's certain guys who can't play uh, in the in those circumstances, and and they don't play well at Pebble, or, or they just choose not to play. Um, but. You know, I, I kind of look at it. I'm, I'm I'm indifferent. You know, I wish I had a better opinion. You know, sometimes I do enjoy seeing the guys, like the what's the uh, the celebrity tournament they do in uh, Utah at Salt Lake City. Is there one they do in uh, Tahoe? Diamond Resorts. Yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah, in Tahoe. You know, that's fun. But it's all there's no professionals. It's all celebrities. That's kind of fun to watch to see how these guys perform. But you know, I think in uh, at Pebble you don't see the the amateurs as much. Um, because they're trying to show the top guys playing each week, so you you see them periodically, and and you, you, it's hard to really follow what they're doing and how well they're playing, and it, it, it's kind of a mess. I, I will say, it, I wish it were if it were more of a team, real team setting to win the tournament, and you had to show these guys every week, uh, then it would be a little bit more entertaining when you could watch Bill Murray top a couple shots off the tee, you know. Yeah, but what if you were like a tour player? You're getting ready, you're trying to win a golf tournament and you got to count his shots. Yeah. Whoa. Well, I, I think that's again, that's that's goes into you know, what do you have to do to entice these players to play? Um, what do you have to do to make sure that they're out there, these top players, and then how they get paired up with the other guys? It, it's obviously let's be honest, you know, golf on the PGA tour, it's an entertainment, it's it's entertainment, it's in the entertainment business. So if you can't accept that. Um, then you're you're missing the point. Like everyone gets caught up. Well, I'm, I'm just going to focus on what I do, and that's that's all that matters. Well, dude, the reason you play for a million plus every week is because people want to watch you, and the reason you get the sponsors that you get is because people want to watch you. So, if people want to watch you and Bill Murray top it off the tee, then hey, yeah. you know you need to take that with a grain of salt and go do it because you're yeah, lucky to be doing what you do. Make me a make me a bicycle clown. <laughs> Yeah. Again, I just go back to the fact, even if, even if you're Kenny G's biggest fan, <laughs> right? I'm Kenny G's big. I've listened to every record on Spotify after I've listened to the Emergency Nine Golf podcast wow. on Spotify. But if I'm Kenny G's biggest fan, I might tune in to watch him hit one or two shots, listen to a one and a half minute pointless interview, and then I'm changing the channel. Like, I'm not sure how much that's driving golf viewership or golf you know revenue in the industry that i'm in i'm not sure how much that's driving what i'm doing if you're gonna do the ams can you just end it on saturday so come sunday the the leaders are playing with the leaders we can focus on golf we can focus on the best players in the world winning a golf tournament to change your lives can we just get rid of this stupid bullshit on saturday you are like, what's I'd wrong with you tonight? That. Are you in a bad mood? I, I'm in a, definitely mad. I'm in a great mood, so Tom. This is just who I am. No, like, no, you, like, look, can you someone, you are can someone have a fucking opinion on this show, right? Like, are, come are, on, boys. Are we being soft? You guys are a little soft. Okay. Like, can you come at me a little harder with some of these takes? Let me think. Um, 
Jordan's All right, let's move on. Let's move on. Enough, enough of Bill Murray and Chris Berman. Enough of this bullshit. Murray. You've already got me all stirred up. This is a joke. Yeah, it's unbelievable. Unbelievable. If you're listening to this podcast, you like golf. So we're not going to talk about Bill Murray anymore. No, yeah. So before we get to Riviera um, and our picks and our preview of this week, there was some fairly large news in the early part of the week. The PGA of America came out and said that they will allow distance measuring devices, range finders for the PGA championship, the senior PGA championship, the women's PGA championship made a lot of headlines in the golf world earlier in the week before the, the golf started. My opinion on it, you know, they're, they're going at this as a PGA member. I will say that I am a proud PGA member of whatever, 12, 13 years now, 28,000. That's right. 28,000 proud PGA professionals. We pay our dues every year. They're trying to speed up play. That's what the take is. I don't, I think this is a step in a right direction of trying to speed up play the optics of that. However, this particular move will not speed up play at the professional level. So I think it's worth experimenting with. And I don't know. Why don't you think it will speed it up at the, uh, or why do you not think that it will speed it up at the professional level? So at the professional level, they for our listeners that that don't know this, they have the most detailed yardage books you will ever see in your life. And when they're preparing to hit a golf shot, when we well, hold on, recreational go, go, golfers on the about, weekend. Talk about the yardage book. Like, like there's a guy that goes out, you know, that's what he does for a living, right? It, yep. it used to be a caddy that did yep. it on the side, but like I have a couple of his yardage books when I worked at Muirfield Village. My name drops are all golf courses, Jay. I don't have, I don't know people, but um, that is a golf door. You collect yardage books? I collect, well, I don't collect yardage books, but I had some PGA Tour yardage books from Muirfield Village. And so they are very, very detailed. To every sprinkler head, you're getting front, middle, back yardages. You're getting to the front and back of every bunker. You're getting the run out to every fairway, to every creek. These are the most detailed things. You're getting elevation changes in today's day and age. You're getting green slope. So as a PGA Tour player, when you're sitting in a fairway, when I'm playing the foundry, I grab my range finder and I shoot it and it says 142 and I try to hit it 142. These guys are looking, okay, what's the front edge number? What's the carry over that bunker? What's the carry to that ridge or that swale? Where do they want to land it relative to how firm or soft the greens are? Almost the last number these guys care about is the actual yardage to the flag, right? That's, so that's spot on, man. That's really well said. I mean, I didn't think they don't they don't care. Yeah, they're going to shoot it, and if it's off, which rangefinders can be off, that every company says they're going to be off two three yards on average, which for the recreational golfer does not matter, right? I I am under the belief my members would be better served to just hit the center yardage and play from there. These guys are not my members. So the only scenario I see the rangefinders helping is if they hit it in another fairway and they're miles away that their yardage book does not help them. And they're trying to do the Pythagorean theorem on their yardage book, A squared plus B squared equals C squared to try to figure out how far they are from a flagstick. That's the only scenario I see this helping. Other than that, it's going to either confuse them or they're not going to use it. They have all the information they want at their disposal in those yardage books. So how do you make them play fast? Like, so I I, I was, before you went on that little rant, I was going to say these things are totally going to help, but you're hundred percent right. You've convinced me. Right. But so now what do you do? How do you, 
how do you speed up play? Just make them. So, so when was the last time you heard someone get penalized for slow play? It, never. Yeah. They won't do it. Okay. They need to either find people, which allegedly they do, but the PGA tour doesn't announce fines. They, they're too chicken shit about it. Like, I, right. I mean, so they either need to find people and publicize it, or they need to penalize people on the golf course. That's how you speed up play. I'm yeah, sorry. You put it on Sports Center on the PJ Tour level. Yeah, if you put it on Sports Center and show who's being penalized, these guys will not want to be on that bottom ticker. Yeah. Um, but with that being said, going back to what Mikey was number saying, two. you do number make a two. With that being said, you do make a great point. <laughs> God damn it! Uh, you guys do make a great point. <laughs> or Mikey like, makes damn a great it. point. Number two. All right. We've all got one. Well, we've all got one. Right. Uh, <laughs> You make a great point in terms of how good the yardage books are, what the yardage is that these guys are looking at. And I totally agree with that. Um, this is only going to help the offline situations at first. This is only going to help the uh, distance to the center at first. But I truly think that they're going to figure out a way to start positioning those prisms in those locations that when you jump over the ball, I think this is where the future that it could end up going. Um, there's some way that they're going to figure out how to position, and it could be on a sprinkler head. It could be somewhere where they have the targets that you're able to pick up from wherever you are on the golf course to where you can shoot with your range finder an accurate yardage of in the middle of the face of that bunker or at the tip of that bunker. It's going to be like uh, dropping bombs, you know, nowadays, smart bombs. <laughs> exactly. But you can, you know, you put that prism on the flag now and it picks up that exact yardage quickly. I yeah. think in the future, there will be ways that we can position those across the golf course that when you get up to the golf ball, your caddy, because I, I have looped a decent amount. Um, there's a lot of times when you're trying to beat the player off the tee box to get down there, then you're, you're, you're going with your book, you're walking off yardages and your player is, you're the reason that your player hasn't hit yet. You're the reason. You're still trying to get that yardage and get that information. Dude, worst feeling in the world, right? It's the worst yeah. feeling in the world. You're trying to walk off that yardage so fast and do perfect math, try to give them the right club while the rest of the group is waiting. Um, I, oh, think there is the an worst. I think there is an opportunity where range finders can improve the, play, the pace of play. I think it's going to take some repositioning of – and again, I'm throwing this totally out there. I've never had a lot of thought into this, but where you could position those prisms or some sort of target lock that lets you hit different yardages that we know what the guys are looking for from a front edge yardage, carry that bunker yardage, that I think there's there's finally a solution that we can speed it up. Yeah, but see, yeah. I, like that that would do it, but I I don't I don't I don't like that because it takes Get, it's too scientific. Like I was just thinking while we were talking, like, I mean, they say that Hogan was one of the first, right. To like really go out and, and walk yardages off and create a little book and stuff before that, like Bobby Jones didn't have it. Like, I mean, they had something, I guess, I don't know, but that's talent. Like, so you get into so precise, you know, like now you be, that's robotic. Um, there's always external factors, of course, but I don't know. I just think that. No, I mean, I, no, I agree. I mean, I got to like speed it up. I got a couple of views on it, you know, speeding up. I, do I think this is going to speed up play? Uh, maybe a little bit, but not like I think Mike hit the nail on the head. It will speed up play for guys who hit the ball way offline because it's going to give their caddy uh, uh, something to gauge uh, the pin off of the actual distance to the pin. Then they can get the front yardage, back yardage, carry bunker, so forth. So do I think using the, the, uh, you know, range finders, range finders or distance measuring devices 
Uh, is it going to make it faster? Yes. A lot? Probably not. Um, we did, uh, in 2014, we did a, a, a little trial run or a study with the USGA, and they let us play nine holes without the, the, the distance measuring devices and then nine holes with just your yardage book. And uh, the, my first nine holes I did with without the distance distance measuring device, and I played you know nine holes in whatever two hours and ten minutes, and then I got to play the same nine holes with my rangefinder, and I played it in you know five or six minutes slower. So uh, granted, there's a lot of different factors that are varying that, that vary here, and a lot of things that go into this. But and they 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 were trying to make it as controlled as they could and they changed who played first and what if the range finder was in the first nine or the second nine and so forth and they tried to do the best they could it was you know 60 guys but they were just trying to get an estimate but needless to say you know i shot the exact same score uh in 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 two nine hole rounds and one had one i had a yardage book and one i had a range finder and the the nine holes that I had a range finder i played it in five minutes slower so does that, I mean, was this having when you, a range finder doesn't automatically mean that you're going to play faster. Again, I know this is just a small sample size and I shot the same number. Is this when you were playing really slow though? Cause there was that, there was a time there. Mikey, there was, there. there was never a time that I played really slow. Oh let's be God. honest. You know that. Okay. That's not, that's not me. I um, but, but again, you know, there, there's a lot of factors going into it, but like Mike said, I think, yes, I think can it speed things up? It can, uh, but it, the, the final thought there, I'm, I'm a big proponent in uh, it, you know, getting your yardage and trusting your yardage, I think is a really cool part of it. Um, and having a caddy that you trust that, that, you know, that is going to get the right yardage for you. I think there's something to be said for that as part of the game. It's like, like you said, Tom, it's not robotic. You know, the, we we're we're on this big open playing field and you can hit the ball wherever and you have to just, Either you get the yardage and you, you do your own calculations and you feel it and you hit the right shot. There's nothing guaranteed. There's no one saying like, this is the exact yardage. And I think that's cool. It's, I mean, it's no different than a quarterback throwing a pass to a receiver on a 20 yard out. Like there's nothing in that says this pass is actually 37.5 yards at this velocity going this way. You just, you know, you just, you just react. And I think it's taking some of, uh, some of the players ability to react to, to the to the target and playing golf uh when you throw those in well that's a great point because it is a, you know we golf's too slow golf's too slow but like so many other sports are reactive right yeah. where golf is not so you know if a guy's under the gun and he's trying to make a check and and he's uh, like and he takes a little longer i mean you know sorry like he's he's trying you know it's not like he's doing it on purpose well, I heard some people on social scared. media this weekend say oh well if you let people use range finders you're going to take the skill out of what it what it does to try to find the yardage to hit the right shot. I would say if you want to bring the skill back to kind of what Jay was just talking about, get rid of the yardage book, get rid of these green maps that give you the percentage, that give you the breaks, that give you the slopes. Give the guy a pin sheet and a sprinkler head. And like then we all figure did in high school. Who, who has the better caddy? You want to bring caddy back into this. So who has a better caddy? Whose caddy is out there figuring out it's this amount to carry this bunker, but it's this amount to the front edge, right? That would bring the skill back to it. Again, I'm sorry. I'm going to go back to these yardage books. They're too detailed to really yeah, have much, much skill involved. I can read a number. Yeah. Okay. Maybe I'll mess up carrying the one every now and then, which could fuck up my guy, but 
again, I don't think a, a rangefinder in a in a yardage book is going to really differentiate skill. If you want to really bring skill into figuring out how far to hit a golf shot, get rid of it all. Give the guy a pin sheet on the first tee and the the yardage he- the sprinkler markers or the sprinkler markers and let guys figure it out. The guys who do their homework the best will be more prepared to hit a good golf shot and get it closer on average. And that's what skill is. Again, Amen. this I the love that somebody the- is doing something to try to advance this game. Time is a big problem in our golf game, right? It's it's too hard, it takes too long, and it's too expensive. So I'm all for anyone other than that those. it's great other than that it's great other than yeah. that it's fucking a fantastic <laughs> game and come see your local pj professional for a lesson and we'll get you started on this game but again i'm i'm all for people trying to do different things to advance this game and think outside of the box i'm just not sure this is going to do what they think it's going to do hey what if we go back to front back middle pin and then you know, 50, 100, 150, 200, 250 yards and markers. And that's it. That's what I just like, said. It's like everyone, high school, high school, everyone's yeah. on the same playing field, you know, your amateur golfers, your pros, no more, no more, you know, sprinkler heads with yardages on it. How about, Hey, I've got a, uh, red, you red? know, hundred yard marker. I've got <laughs> a white one fifty marker. I've got a blue 200 marker and I've got a yellow two fifty marker. Yeah. And the pin is going to be front, back or middle. Like, hey, let's see, let's see how good you are. And then everyone is on the same playing field, amateurs and pros. Like, hey, get, go ahead and get it. If if you're that good with your with your distance control, this is this is all this is all the information you're gonna get. Make Jay, it happen. Do you, Jay, do you remember we played TPC Virginia Beach? Remember they just built it. You and I yeah. drove down there with with Dad. That's a thing. And, we played with this. We played with the sandblaster. And the blaster, man. That's and uh, you and I had a big night the night before because we were in college and we were being funny and um but remember they i mean the course wasn't even open yet so there were like the sprinkler heads didn't have yardages on them some did most of them didn't there were no pins on the front nine you remember that and so you just kind of aimed at the middle and like yeah i mean i remember going whoa this i should play like this all the time well 100 percent. i mean there's I so I mean, much how many times have you heard like if if you if you went and played a round of golf when there was there was not a flag on the on the course and you could only just see the green and you knew that's what we did. You knew, you, you knew the distance to the middle of the green and you just hit it to the middle of the green and just, we you just took that. your chances wherever the pin was, you just took your chances. What would you shoot? You know, we and that's quite good. Yeah, probably. I think most people would like if, if you just said, you know, I don't care where the pin is located. If I just hit to the middle of the screen, I've got the middle yardage. Let me just hit to the middle of the green and just see what I shoot. Jake, the difference is it going to be not, more you don't remember do, you never you don't remember that then obviously that's what we no, did. I remember I remember your dad getting really mad at us because he thought we weren't grinding enough when we were playing with the blaster and, and we were pissed and we, and we beat the crap out of him but like I remember <laughs> even off the tee because you go okay how far is that bunker uh what's it like when you don't know you'll kind of say all right well maybe I'll just hit three wood here so you just yeah. instantly your brain maybe goes a little smarter and um and we took their yeah. money too. I wish so, I could have. I wish that happened more often. When I was faced with adversity, my brain instantly went smarter. Like yeah. that doesn't that doesn't happen very often. Well, I think a better like you should make that should be a T-shirt or a hat. When you're faced with adversity, your brain instantly goes smarter. Yeah, I get smarter. I think yeah. a uh, maybe a more likely chance of where this whole distance and speed thing is going. Um, I don't know if you guys have played at some of the uh, places recently where the golf carts have the um, GPS and the speakers in the new club cars. 
their GPS, they've mapped out the entire golf course and their GPS is as good as your rangefinder. It always takes me about two to three holes to actually trust that the rangefinder and the cart are the exact same, but it provides all those yardages um, from the, the cover yardage of that uh, bunker, the front of the edge, the front edge, really? the back yardage. Uh, I think that's more likely kind of where we'll go, that it'll be electronically mapped out to where wherever you are on the golf course, it gives you a yardage to all of those different features. But, it may not be the fact that we're going to use um, range finders. We may use it as a backup, have range finders, but also have the ability to uh, have that golf course mapped out digitally. And it gives you that yardage from literally wherever you are. But what's wrong with like, you know, Speeding up play. So be, the focus of speeding up play, in my opinion, is like the tour, like is not that's that is what it is. But like where I think the pace of play is a bigger issue is in the the you know the common game for like the average Joe. For us to go play on a Saturday, it takes five hours. Like that's that's where we need to figure something out. Like tour, at the end of the day, I don't really care. I mean, it we do it, you know, they need to pick it up, whatever. But like if you can make it to where, you know, we could the four of us could go play golf, go play 18 holes and three, which we could, but like, you know, that's, that's why I think this has, you know, more legs is, is for the average Joe. I come to the foundry golf club, sir. We play in about three forty-five. Well, my, uh, I had a family member that had a, the course record there, right? He, he still does. He is actually, uh, tied with a gentleman that is sitting to my left. No. However, I didn't know that. There's also actually, there's been three sixty-threes in the foundry's history. Uh, one is Mr. Alan Strange, one is Mr. Jay Woodson, and one is Mr. Corey McIntosh, current foundry member. But uh, yeah, but but Uncle Sy doubled the last hole, and he was drunk as a skunk. Is the story? Wow. That's... He he parred he parred number sixteen, a very easy reachable par five, and then doubled eighteen to shoot sixty three. And the legend has it he couldn't stand up. Well, he um. You know, he, he liked to, you know, he liked to go pretty hard and back in the day, but man, he talk about talent. Like he had it. He still does. Good grace. He does. You, you bring that up to him to this day. Like, Hey, what happened on 18 at the foundry? Right. You know, I bullshit. I, you know, hooked it in the, I guess he, he hooked is. it off the tee and went in the water. So. <laughs> what a great athlete though. I mean, let's get him on this show. Alan, Alan is bad. like, Alan was the total bro in the seventies. Like he was in high school is like the starting quarterback. Like he was, man, he was, I mean, he was the, he was the stud. I mean, of the twins who would win in a fight back then. If Alan, Alan was the better athlete. My dad told me a couple of years ago after we'd been sitting up, had a couple of cocktails. He said, if Alan had focused on baseball, he would have played 15 years in the majors. Gosh, that's that's incredible. I mean, it w- doesn't surprise me whatsoever. I mean, Alan is a is a, he is a total athlete. And I mean, I, I, actually, I mean, I hate to say this, but I'd love to see that little that little grapple between the between the oh. twins and see see what would happen there. Let's get I mean, them both. I'm pretty on. sure that that big Kurt, he's, he's pretty gritty. I, I it's hard for me to bet against Curtis, but yeah. Alan's a great Alan's a great athlete too. He's so the athlete. Maybe Dad's it would be like. Dirty wrestling yeah. slash like football throw like golf basketball like you put them all in there and punt pass no, no. kick no, no, drive, i got it. drive chip putt i got it sumo suits you know the inflatable sumo suits <laughs> we'll all get together we'll just you know and we'll we'll film it we'll put it on our our new website that we're getting ready to launch i love that oh 
All right. So uh, we've already gone pretty long tonight, but I think it's been pretty good shit. So we're going to keep it going. Uh, last week, we we had it, uh, the executive producer, myself, edited out our entire DraftKings um, Pebble Beach preview. It was great content. Sorry that he took it off. But... It was not great content. Uh, two of our hosts got pretty inebriated and went on forever. And we brought up Pat and Kazira's wife again. Yeah, you so, had you had some you ate that bad fish too, didn't you? Is that what got you? I got I just got rid of the whole segment. It was pretty awful. Um, no fault of my own. But um so needless to say, Jay had some great picks. He won our DraftKings League. Tom didn't figure it out and didn't get in at all. <laughs> You're still working on that. Tom, now, I did. I, I did it like two days ago. I'd already have did it. You know, I've already done the next six weeks. I've already got it figured out. So this week we got the Genesis Invitational, which I think is hosted by Tiger Woods. I'm not sure if that really matters. Um, what does that mean? When like playing, he's hosting, whatever the fuck that means. But uh, it's a really, really good field. Obviously a great classic golf course in Riviera. There's a bunch of top 10, a bunch of the top 25 playing. Maybe a bigger person. Pebble Beach helps and, and no Ray Romano. But it's a tough place to play. I was looking at some of the stats. It, it's a very tough place to hit fairways, a very tough place to hit greens and putt within five feet. It's very similar to Pebble Beach in that standpoint. The two of those venues are the lowest on tour from a you know fairways hit percentage, green hit percentage, and putts inside five feet. So, you know, it, it, definitely, it definitely leads to the longer hitters recently, the bombers of the golf ball winning. But as we look at, you know, there's a lot of different, you know, Matt Kuchar's played really well there. There have been short hitters and ball strikers to hit well there. So um, definitely some different ways to go about your picks this week. We do apologize that we're about a day behind uh, because of some power outages here in Virginia. So hopefully you haven't submitted all your DraftKings leagues, but we're here to help you save some dollars. So who wants to go first on their uh, their teams? I see Jay is just now picking his team. No, no, this is, I'm just revamping. Okay. I, I have, because of the extra day we've done this podcast, I've changed my team about four times and I am confident in saying that I have messed up my team and I don't feel confident whatsoever in it. And I've overthought it. So uh, <laughs> with, a, a, I with, think our listeners would agree that if you've done any type of DraftKings or FanDuel, you if you give yourself too much time to look at these picks, you will totally blow your own mind. And you're like, I don't, I have no idea. No one can win or everyone can win. <laughs> all right. Who, who wants to go first? Tom, are you ready, pal? Bro, I'm all, well, hold on. I'm trying to find it. I, um, <laughs> hold on, I got it. I usually toss it to you last when we come to this segment. I was going to, you know, just throw everyone for a loop and get hold you on. first. I, I did it last night. Where is it? McLean, help Dra- me. DraftKings app. I'm on the app. And you go to upcoming on the bottom of the app. Oh, I got it. Wait. Uh, Click on your name. No, that's not it. This this part might get edited out. (laughs) Click on your name. You guys just keep going. I'll figure it out. All right. Jay Bird, you're first. All right. I've got two... I've got two lineups, and I'm still not sure which one I'm going to go with, but I'm going to give it a shot right now. I'm going with uh, Jim Furyk. He's played well here in the past. Yeah, that's He's right. actually doesn't get any coverage on the Emergency Nine podcast. Big I Jim love Fury Jim Furyk, the junkyard dog. Jim I, I'm sorry, 
Uh, Jimmy, we're going to get you on here one day. You're awesome. But, uh, yep. He's at 6,400. He's a no brainer. He's a stud. He gets it done. Uh, uh, Matsuyama has played well here, here in the past. He hasn't played super great as of late, but, um, he's got a pretty good track record here, um, at Riviera. Uh, Matt Neesmith has played well as of late. I'm throwing him in there. Shoffley, uh, Played well I mean, as a, forever. The guys, the, the guys, good. I mean, I know he hasn't won. We we always talk about it, and but he's he's good. And uh, Zalatoris didn't have a great week last week, finished fifty fifth. But you know, prior to played great, making cuts. He makes a lot of birdies. So in DraftKings, he's going to get some points. And I am going to finish it off with the stud of all studs, the king of all kings. Tony Finau. <laughs> this is your week, baby. Tony, win it. Uh, you can do it. You're not going to finish second this week. I, I think feel it, it could be. I think it could be, man. Like, Well, Jay's guaranteed one top 10 guy, but he's not going to win. Yeah, if your name starts with an F and you play on the PGA Tour, odds are we like you. Yeah. Well, he might not win, but he's going to catch a check. And, um, you know, I can't imagine. You know, I, I want to find out, like, what? when does the, the check or when does the deposit hit your account? All right, so you say you finish second Monday morning. I, no, I think it's twelve midnight. Sunday twelve midnight, night. Sunday night. So I think that's right. You finish second, and you make you know nine hundred grand. Bow. <laughs> yeah, in the account. Hell, finishing twelve. Like it used to be with a big well check. Last they hour, gave you, they gave you a big check you had to take to the bank. <laughs> uh, I'm so glad you picked Tony Fino. I'm so. Oh God, that makes me so happy. I can't wait to watch this weekend now. Hey, well, somebody, can you pull up mine? I think I found mine, but I don't no, know. No, it doesn't show me yours until the... <laughs> I've got yours. I've got Tom's right here. All right. This is it. Like, Sam Burns... Oh, no, I can't pull yours up because uh, it's pre... pre yeah, they don't show you your opponents until the uh, contest starts. Yeah. Well, this has got to be... It doesn't really one. help us considering we go over them with each other. doesn't really keep <laughs> us... Why is it not showing? It just says Thursday, 9.40 a.m. PGA Tour. Have you clicked on your Click name? Click on yet? it. I did. Click edit entry. I got edit. Oh, here we go. All right, Tom. You got it? I don't think these are the guys I picked, but I'll go with it. <laughs> Actually, yes, it is. All right, here we go. Just you're welcome, America. Okay, here we go. Uh, I picked Dustin Johnson because, you know, why wow. not? What did I go on a limb? <laughs> hey, you know what? Like, he's going to win. Um, yeah, if you can fit him in the lineup, then that's a yeah. I did, I did, right? Then everybody else now is kind of you know, he he takes up a lot of dollars. Uh, Patrick Cantley, um, wow, that's two high dollar guys because, like, Jeez. look, you got a putt. What was it? Was it last year, year before, where everybody's missing like the little three footers at Riviera, kind of wiggly stuff? So maybe that'll Patrick Cantley's pure stroke will help there. Um, Sam Burns, I keep I picked him. You, like, I think you picked him every week. Big Sam Burns fan. Sam Burns, gosh darn it, Sam, get your mess together. He's seven out of nine cuts, two top tens. That's that's. Do we get you get points for top ten or is it just? Like, yeah, you get points for obviously you get points for every par you make, every birdie, eagles, birdie streaks. Oh, yeah. You will lose yeah. points for bogeys. Yeah, so guys, the higher the finish, the more points you get. Yeah, so All right, I'm gonna get this over with Max Homa because I, I he's yeah. No, that's great. His golf swing is maybe my favorite. It might be my favorite on tour. He he does hit a good, and that is actually he went to UCLA. That is his favorite golf course in America is Riviera. I had him on my team and took him off. I regret it. Well, well, you know already you're going to, especially when he wins. Uh, Doc Redman, 
So a little uh, a local Raleigh, boy. North Carolina boy. North Carolina. Mikey loves. Him. Did he go to Clemson? He went to Clemson. He won went the USAM at Riviera. We know. Yeah. Yes. He, he was did. taught by Jimmy Hamilton out of Raleigh, who's my former teacher and former college teammate of my father's at University of Maryland. I took a couple lessons from Jimmy. Jimmy is the man. He's a great shout out Jimmy Hamilton. I can get him on here. No problem. Great guy. Great instructor. A lot of good stories. Um, probably one of the more intelligent golf minds that I've been able to pick over the years. Got a good demeanor when he's teaching. Incredible. Unlike Mike Maroney yeah. over here who yells at you and makes, you know. Well, don't hit shanks down my 18th fairway. Well, we'll tell that yeah, story. That's how you instill confidence. Yeah. Great instructor. You know, that's the last time I hit a golf ball at the foundry was that day. But anyway, well, that's that's uh, who else you got, bro. I got last one. Harold Varner. Didn't he play well here last year, year before? HV3, Charlotte. I like boy. that pick. Gastonia, North Carolina. Solid, solid ball striker. I love him. I, I, don't, think I don't think he's Gunderville. playing particularly. I mean, he's made five and nine cuts. Uh, he just missed a cut at Pebble Beach because I had him. He finished yeah. 13th uh, here last year. That, okay. So, because he was in contention coming down the stretch or whatever. But anyway, I, I, um, that's my feel good pick. But also, I mean, he's a stud. So there you go. You're welcome. Thanks, Tom. I appreciate that. All right, McLean. All right, guys. So I have I started off with my big money pick, Colin Morikawa. Um, I'm a huge Colin Morikawa fan. Cali boy. Uh, I think he still is the best one to come out of that class with Wolf and Hovland. I think overall in 10 years, we look back and he has the best career. That's just my personal thought. He's got a golf swing that I could watch over and over. Probably my favorite swing currently on the PJ Tour um, right there with Louis Ustazen. Um, from there, go down to Mark Leishman. Mark's been playing well. I think he's going to do well here at Riv. He's got a good history. Yep. Uh, Jason Kokrak, big hitter. I think he's he's also big been hitter playing well. He's also been playing well. His last few finishes, 41st in the Saudi, 29th at the Farmers, 56th in Sony. You know, he, he's played well of late, but I, I think he's kind of trending in the right direction. Um, also go down to uh, Joaquin Neiman. Last two finishes, Sony and Century Tournament of Champions, second and second. Uh, tournament before that. Oh, I mean, he's playing great. I mean, his last few finishes, he's made eight of eight cuts, three top tens. Um, down at another guy who's trending in the right direction, Henrik Norlander. Uh, I've got him 26 last week, was in contention early. Uh, didn't play great on the weekend. The week before that, 22nd. Week before that, the Farmers, he finished second. And at the Amex, he was uh, 12th. So in his last four starts, he's had top 26s. Um, and then to round it all out, a guy who's had a pretty good history, um, at, um, at Riv, I think he's made the cut six out of nine times and finished uh, seventh last week. Cameron Tringali, Georgia Tech yeah, alum. I like that. Pick. Um, played well at the waste management, top 20 there, top 20 at the Farmers, um, 56 at the Amex, but you know, the tournament before that, all the way back in November, a third at the RSM. He, he just seems to be putting together some good finishes. I'd love to see him play well out there. And of course, that, uh, you know, he's got a little bit of history in. So, Shout out to Cameron Tree Valley. Nice. A couple of good picks there. Uh, we lap over, uh, crossover on one, and I had a couple of those guys on my previous uh, rosters for this. But let's go. Um, for me, my picks, my stud, my horse, Rory McElroy, 10,500. He plays well there. Top five last two years. Just, again, I love the guy. One of my favorites on tour. He's going to get it done there at some He's point. He's going to miss a cut. I bet he misses a cut this week. You want, you want that? I'll, I'll, I'll put 20, 20 American on it. Got 20. some action. All right. All right. 
All right. Witnesses. Good. Perfect. Uh, hits it long. Hits it solid. Um, probably win. His, win. his his short putting is an issue, but I don't think it's going to matter there at Riviera. So, you know, bumpy Poena greens. Everyone's going to struggle from inside five feet. We go down to my next uh, high dollar guy. Got Joaquin Neiman, 8,800, just like McLean was saying. Been playing really well. Solid ball striker. I think it's going to play well at Riviera. Then we're going to go down to Victor Hovland. Again, 8,700. Solid ball striker, great driver of the golf ball. Get it in those fairways, be able to attack some of those whole locations. If he gets 18 of 18 greens, then he's going to win. Yep. Akshay Matia, just a 19 year old at Pebble Beach, just hit 18 of 18 greens on, I think it was Thursday. That's a pretty damn impressive. I don't care which golf course you're playing, never mind Pebble Beach. Javi has has been pretty open about his 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 chipping woes, but you know uh, the guy he puts he still puts it pretty good. I like just, I hit, mean, all, just hit all the greens. You don't have to worry about chipping. Yeah, he puts he it. Could easily hit eighteen greens. I mean, the guy he drives it straight, hits every hits every every fairway, and hits most of his greens. And if he just hits eighteen greens, then he's got a good shot. Well, I mean, Jay, I got the winner on my team, so not every guy is going to win on my team, but they're just going to make cuts and you know win some, get some points here, boys. Who's the winner? So uh, Rory, who's the winner? But uh, then we go to challenge MC hammer. Then we go to Matt Wolf, 8,100 again, long. I'm going with guys that are long ball strikers. Uh, they don't have, you know, really any really long par fives there. So I think he can take advantage of them all and reach them all. Make some birdies. Give me some points on my team. Then I'm going with down the board. I have, you know, I spent a lot of money on my first four guys. So I'm going to go Lanto Griffin. Yeah, yeah seventy-four hundred. You know, friend of the pod. Bring it home, buddy. You know, Bring big. He's a big fan of ours. I'm sure he's just telling the whole PJ tour. You know, in the <laughs> locker room. I'm sure all they're talking about is Emergency Nine Golf Podcast. How they all want to get on here. But Lanto, you know, he's going to get a little, you know, a little bump from the pod. You know, he hasn't played since he's been on with us. So I'm assuming he's going to play well. Top ten. Top 10 Lanto's absolutely. taking it deep this week. 100%. Again, solid iron player. Just going back to his actual game, solid iron player, which is going to help. And then going way down the board, um, $6,400, Pat Perez. Just guy just makes a lot of cuts. He's been on the PJ Tour for 40 years somehow and has like won two events. So he obviously makes a lot of money, makes a lot of cuts. You know, a grinder, which I think you kind of need at Riviera to just grind it out. And um, not everything's going to go well there. So, you know, he's a Pat Perez. He's a fascinating guy, man. His whole story. He is. He's got great flow. Yeah, right. He, like he doesn't care. He's not trying to be the cool guy, like and fit in the PGA Tour circles. Like he's doing it his way. Like I and, does it his yeah. way, and he's funny. We've played together in the past a couple of times in some tournaments, and I've had a blast. That, wait, hold he, on. Is that a name? Don't remember me name at all, but I remember him. Ding, 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 ding. Ding. Yeah. I don't know if that's number three or number four, but shout out to Pat uh, Perez. What a four. cool dude. He wears Jordans when he plays. Say, did y'all talk Jordans? Incredible Jordans the whole time, Jay. Um, oh, gosh, the, the, I love the it. guy's got the guy's got a cool story. I mean, you talk about does not give a swag. Fuck. No, he, he just does what he wants to do, man. Um, yeah. And I think I think sometimes it's refreshing to have a guy totally speak his mind with no filter. Um, but he's mind. but he's not offensive or anything. You know, no, he's not, totally at not offensive at all. No, but he just you know, with everything that he does. I mean, he, he's got a he's got a great gig. Um, I, I love watching him. I love tuning in. I love seeing what the guy's up to. Um, and I think it's one of those things where you enjoy it cause it's pure. Yeah. 
you enjoy it because it's pure and that's the coolest part about it you're he's he's not politically correct he's not doing something different because he's got a camera on him he's gonna be pp and i i love that i love watching what he's got going on but somehow he does it without like tom saying without offending people and he's never really made headlines for anything that he's said or done but yet he's not cookie cutter politically correct i don't he's kind of walked the line just perfectly well i think i think the reason why is because the only person that he ever lashes out against is himself yeah (laughs) he's not he he doesn't think about all the um times when you watch the guy play the only person he's ever talking crap to really is himself (laughs) you know he's not putting down anyone else or doing anything but he plays the way he plays golf his swagger he's got that edge um i think he's one of those guys that also helps bring new new uh eyes to the game i mean he is a the modern golfer be it you know a little bit in his later years than some of the other guys um sorry pb but let's call it what it is um but he is that modern golfer i'm rocking jordans i'm rocking william murray um uh apparel uh everything the guy does he's he's the modern golfer i think that's where and if you're on the west coast he looks like a lot of golfers that you see at the clubs yeah, I mean, yeah, like in the flip side, Jordan Spieth, right? We just were talking like Jordan Spieth is just he looks like the golfer that's been the prototypical golfer since, you know, old Tom Morris. And um, and no knock to Jordan by any stretch because it's genuine by, you know, from all we pays hear. well, too. But yeah, right. But see, that's a great point, too. Right. So, you know, you be that you, you fit the mold. They're going to fill your bank account. You know, Pat Perez has has he left dollars on the table by doing it his way yeah who knows but like he looked he seems he probably sleeps just fine at night yeah he sleeps very fine um him and his in a pair of a beautiful house like, in scottsdale he's got jordan slippers he's got hundreds and hundreds of pairs of jordan at his house. it's a pretty oh, it's incredible. impressive collection so gents i think that's it for this evening thank you to our listeners again one last shout out today is tuesday uh, February 16th, we are recording this a day late because of some power issues, but it also comes on the 25th anniversary of Happy Gilmore dropping, which yes. makes us all feel very, very old and is one of the you know top golf movies. We'll have a discussion later on at some point over the top golf movies. Jay and I were discussing it a little bit uh, at dinner tonight, but Happy Gilmore, awesome golf movie. I don't care if you're a golfer or not. I think that may be one of the best movies, you know, golf movies out there that has brought other people, you know, their eyeballs on it, whether you're, you've ever touched a golf club or not. So I know uh, Adam Sandler posted a couple of funny videos on social media today doing the Happy Gilmore, hitting some shots, playing golf. Uh, Shooter McGavin, I don't even know what his real name is, uh, in all honesty. It's Shooter um, McGavin, I'm pretty sure, right? I think he, he he posted a funny video in his living room in response to Adam Sandler. Again, I have no idea what his real birth name is, but in my world, he's Shooter McGavin. Um, but again, a great golf movie and one for the ages. Um, well, how about him just shutting down the internet? Mr. McDonald, I apologize, video. Mr. McDonald. You are right. Mr. McGavin in my household. Yeah, I no, thought he tried to change his name to Shooter McGavin legally. Didn't he do that? He made it official. Yeah, but how about Adam Sandler just shutting down the golf social media internet today? I pulled my uh, Instagram feed up mid-afternoon, and all I did from scroll was it was 
just the Adam Sandler video over and over and over. And hey, I'm a big fan of it. I love it. Um, I just I just couldn't believe uh, how amazing. And, you know, I guess it reminds you how much of our past Happy Gilmore really was, uh, especially all four of us during our childhood. How many times have we all done the Happy Gilmore? We've all done it probably hundreds of times. Right? So, you know, it, it, it's cool to see some nostalgia there um, with something that touched so many of our lives and so many of other uh, golfers' lives that are uh, similar age as us. All right, gentlemen. It was a pleasure. Thank you again to all of our listeners. Please like, subscribe, follow, share, do all that crazy stuff. And then and, tell a friend. And tell a friend. Tell a lot of people about this. Everyone you know, you need to tell about this. Um, let's start a revolution here. Yeah. If you all tell one person, that's it. We'll have right? like 12 more followers. Well, I mean, if you <laughs> could, you could tell one or 12, I'll take 12, but big fan. You like that chain um, email that back when we all had AOL, you know, dot com email addresses, right? Send this to 12. Find us on MySpace. <laughs> now, now you're dating yourself. Ugh. Now you're dating yourself. All right, gents. That was a lot of fun. All right, um, boys. Great night. And we'll see you uh, next week. Thanks, guys. Right on.